Welcome to the Strategy with Jason podcast. Tune in for everything you need to know to stay in the know regarding the automotive industry. Here's your host, Jason Harris. Hey, 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 what's going on, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here, and thank you for joining me on another episode of Strategy with Jason. Today, I have a very special guest. This guest is halfway across the world, but we feel like we're neighbors. <laughs> I have the one, the the famous, the oh-so-famous, actually, Mr. Arthur in the house. What's going on, Arthur? How you doing, man? Sorry to meet you, Jason. Uh, you pronounced it actually perfectly. This Did time. I this time? I mean, it only took like 15 times before we started recording it if I was actually going to get it right or not. So I'm glad I am glad I got it right, man. Hey, uh, we have some amazing topics to talk about uh, today. It's pretty much everything data or data or data, 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 tomato, tomato. I don't care, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but we have some really fun topics to talk about. But before we get into our awesome topics, I always like to start off our podcast with a little origin story because I'm always super fascinated to find out how people got started in this crazy world we call the automotive industry. So, Arthur, how did you get started in the automotive industry? Uh, like most of us, I think, by uh, an accident. I was uh, invited by my dear neighbor to participate in a new kind of project for sales and service of Mercedes-Benz, sponsored by Daimler. So uh, it, was, uh, it was a step back, I think, in my career, because at that time I was working strictly in marketing. So mm -hmm. data, data everywhere. <laughs> and I took a job, I took a chance in Mercedes-Benz as a, as a greeter. It was a, it was a person that was uh, supposed to meet and greet all the people coming into our showroom. And by saying showroom, I, uh, I mean a temporary city project that was built from eco-friendly materials in the middle of a park. And so uh, that was a uh, way way before this uh, 2021 cool. and remote selling it was 2012 so nearly 10 years ago and we were selling cars remotely in the city center in the middle of the park straight from the street 10 days uh, 10 years ago and this was uh, this was the, the beginning of my story literally so by mistake <laughs> but i uh yeah i've never looked back and it took me it took me eight years of car selling actually for both Mercedes and Porsche uh, to realize that I'm frustrated with uh, with our beloved industry and uh, it took me those years to to collect my experience and to start something of my own to what? make this uh, make this uh, business uh, a good place for people to work to even consider this <laughs> well dude you had one of the best setups ever i mean like starting to sell cars outside in a beautiful park uh that sound that sounds like a great place to start but i'm actually curious where did your love for data start because you, your love for cars is is obvious right but you also probably equally have just as much passion around around data when when did that start for you uh to be honest i was uh, when i was preparing for today I, I asked myself the same question and i think it's really back to the roots because my dad was uh, and still is um a mathematician and a logist, a log <laughs> logic go. guy. So he studied it to the to the bones. Then I think it was there's a saying that you took somewhere something from the breast milk, and I think that's it. Uh, I always 
overanalyze everything, and it's uh, I don't like it, <laughs> but I I got used to it. So I need to know every every possible scenario before I uh, I decide or, or uh, on something. So I think that uh, this made me a, a, a data lover. But at the end of the day, I always think that uh, literally everything can be data for for someone. For me, it's uh, it's phones, it's the internet, it's the car stocks, it's the people. But uh, hey, a couple of years ago, yellow pages were the data, right? Uh, a couple of years ago, you could not imagine uh, flying over across the Atlantic with a guy printing out tickets at the airport, and they're both gone, actually, and the data remained. You still need a, a flight tariff or whatever it's called, yeah. and you still your company name and address to be somewhere else than Yellow Pages. Right now, this is like Google My Business, right? So the data will be here. It's uh, it's how we leverage those data that we collect. And uh, this is the place that I found myself uh, in the middle between people and between uh, software and, and data itself. I, I love it, man. I think that's a great, like that totally makes sense. Between people and data is kind of where you like to live. Um, and I think that's super rare, but, but also makes a whole lot of sense. I mean, if I think back to some of the most successful salespeople I've ever met, um, knowingly or unknowingly, all right, they actually have a, a passion for, for data. They, they want to know just how good they are. They're kind of like professional athletes, you know, where they're only going to get better based on if they're tracking their own efforts and their own performance and then continue to learn from that. And, you know, today's, I think, topic is going to be around more about dealership data. And we will probably talk a little bit about salespeople data as well. But, you know, data is one of those words that gets used almost too often right now. I can't go to a conference without hearing the word get used 17,000 times. And it seems like everybody's got a different understanding of it. It's it's very much so like, are you using your data? Are you using your data? It, it's I, I let's let's kind of kick it kind of one oh one real quick. Like let's talk about just just being data aware. All right. And what kind of data is important to dealers? I'm curious your thoughts. From my perspective, and it's maybe a, I'm a bit biased because I was uh, raised by Daimler um, like that, like the absolutely minimum of what I needed to plug into my CRM was the name and surname, of course. So who am I speaking with? How? And by how, I mean by phone or by the email address. And when? Because I needed to do uh, like the follow-up already at the first uh, conversation point. So I needed to plan my next move. So these three or four things are... Uh, I, I would call them must-haves. Well, they're they're, they're the foundations, time. right? I mean, they're the foundations the moment, of any of type of you know data collection out there. And it's so. I mean, I, I think when it's like, what kind of data is important for you know for dealerships? I mean, look, as much as you can collect on the customer legally. <laughs> legally, and this is what I wanted to uh, to really focus on because. Uh, you can go only that far, right? If you don't have any privacy consent forms signed, it's just you're left with either the follow-up or a recall in terms of emergency. Uh, and you know, if you don't uh, if you don't want to contact your customer, uh, 
somewhere else uh, will be there in your place pretty soon. So let's start from the basics. Uh, learn what you have to have in order to leverage your data well to contact your customer in the right time uh, with the right product. Because at the end of the day, uh, you need to sell, but you want to sell uh, things people want to buy, right? 100%. And you know what I was thinking about this kind of as you're talking? And I'm thinking back to one of the first sales people that I, that I, uh, uh, that they trained me. So I worked underneath a salesperson and as a young salesperson, you usually get attached to another salesperson, right? And you're pretty much just do whatever the hell they tell you to do for a few weeks. And that's pretty much training for most dealerships. And <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I remember, I remember this, this salesperson, uh, his, his name was Will. And, um, what I thought was really interesting is he kept everything on, um, on cards, like five by seven, like, like postcards, right? Uh, oh. Index cards, index cards. He, he made notes. So, and, and I always thought it was really interesting with some of the notes that he would put on there, right? He would put, you know, the customer's first name, last name, phone number, uh, their physical address. Email wasn't really big then, but if they did have it, he collected it. But then he, but then he would also put additional uh, data. I don't even think he, that's how he would have saw it, right? It was uh, what sports team? did the salesperson or did the customer like, um, where was there a family? What was their kids names? Uh, you know, what was like, he, did they have a dog and what was the dog's name? Like he would collect all this type of data and put it in there and, and it made him a better salesperson. He connected to his customers more. And I feel like as an industry, we've almost kind of lost that type of data collection. Right. We just look at it as everybody is just kind of ones and zeros and, and phone numbers and email addresses. And, and we don't do a great job of, you know, of, of being really aware that there is a lot of data that we can collect and organize. I'd love to kind of get your thoughts on on uh, on what would you say would be outside of, you know, name, phone number, email address, address. What are five or three or five, all right, most important data points that a dealership should be collecting and keeping organized within a, a CRM or some type of a system? Before I started to work in the uh, in the car business, I had a, a brief spell uh, in the um, BDC actually, but not in the automotive. Before I started to work in the in the automotive industry, I actually took a brief position in a business development center in the housing industry. And we have uh, we had uh, a few questions that were of our interest every single time. We worked on both new leads and uh, old leads. I would mm -hmm. call it that way. So we asked, "Do you want a brand new house, or are you looking in the aftermarket?" Mm -hmm. So basically, either you're buying a new car or you're looking into used cars as well. And we took it from there. So how many rooms do you, your flat needs to be? Does it need to be a house or a flat uh, for, for starters? So and that maybe uh, how big is your family? So who's going to drive it? Do you have kids? Do you have uh, animals on board? Do you need to have a lift? Do you need a, a kindergarten close to? And all of those questions can be actually transferred to the car business, right? Do you 100%. need a new car or used car? Do you need a family car? Uh, so an SUV or uh, or a wagon 
or you're driving alone. If you're driving alone, maybe you're more into sports and you need a sports car and you just keep the conversation going while asking those little simple questions at the end of the conversation, you should always recap and say, okay, so I'm ready to offer you new car, four door wagon for your wife with brown seats and uh, I don't know, something on <laughs> black on rims and automatic mirrors folding, right? So the answers are already here and it actually doesn't really matter what kind of business you, you're into. You're always into people when you try to sell something. And it's mm. uh, it's been in my head uh, since forever. That's why I might have not been the best salesman, but my customers are coming back to our, my colleagues right now and asking for cars just because I sold them once. Because I've always thought that I want them to buy, not me to sell. Maybe that's why, again, I wasn't the best well, on the floor. You know what it is, is, is you were collecting data, not just on the buyer, but on the person themselves. And yeah, um, I, I think as an, as an industry, yeah, you know what, I, this is actually where I struggle a lot with majority of CRM systems out there, all right? Because they call them customer relationship management tools, but there's no place for me to put in there what hobbies the customer likes, or if they have a dog, or if they're cat people, or, you know, do they play sports? And how many kids do they have? Like, there's not a place for me to build this profile and yet we do it ourselves as salespeople on the floor. Uh, but that data could be incredibly powerful um, moving forward for future purposes, right? If, if I was able to, uh, let's say I wanted to run a marketing campaign and, you know, I wanted to uh, talk just to dog lovers on, you know, why this new Subaru is such a great vehicle, right? Well, I'd actually be able to identify the dog owners within my database. Anyways, I'll get off this soapbox because I could probably turn the entire podcast into this because I get a little heated up when I get when I start talking about CRMs and how kind of bummed out I am about how they just really have, like the CRM hasn't evolved. It just it, the, the general idea of what it's collecting uh, as far as data goes and how it actually uses data hasn't evolved evolved at all in the last 15 years. And I get a little upset about it. But anyways, let's go to our next topic real fast, because we were talking earlier before we started recording about data collection best practices. Um, particularly, we can talk about well, there's all kinds of things. But I think really what we're talking here is more like form fills. And we both hate them for our own reasons. But I'll let you kick us off. You tell me why you hate them so much. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about forms? And why do you hate them so much? <laughs> all right, here we go. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I like uh, to leave all my trays behind just to get to know the price, for example, right? We're mm -hmm. living in a 21st century. I could literally order a pair of jeans and uh, try them on, return the same day. And I know uh, their size. I know how they fit. I saw literally every single picture on the web there uh, there is uh, with, uh, with a model and without um, them being on, on his ass. So... And I can return it and I can do whatever I want without leaving anything, to be honest. And then the car dealers expect me to leave every single thing I owe. So my name and surname and my phone and my landline, my email, my picture, my shoe size or how many twins do you have and all these things just to know the price of the vehicle. Oh, yeah, man, I, I'm with you on this. It drives me 
bloody crazy that there are still a lot of dealerships out there that are in this um, data for data practicing. Like, we'll give you information if you give yeah. us information, but that's it. And oh, by the way, you have to give us the information first. We're not giving it up first. <laughs> like, it's, yeah, it's ridiculous, there's, uh, right? Different, different, uh, different issues in different markets, right? The, in states, you can... What's the best time you 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 deliver a car? I mean, uh, stopwatch on, and how long does it take for me to call a dealership uh, of Ford and to get out with a new a new Mustang out of it? If you want to do it really fast, probably you can get it done in the states for within an hour or two. It's undoable in Poland. Uh, it, okay, it's doable if the Canada. car is used. It's undoable. In in your in my area, it's just undoable. If uh, a week, I think it, it's no. Here in Canada, we're the same. We're usually about two to three days before we're going to actually take delivery. Yeah, it's doable in a couple of days, but for sure, I cannot you know wait an, an hour just to have a, a cup of uh, coffee and uh, drive out of my dealership. It, dri it, 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 it drives me absolutely nuts. Wow. Let's talk about another thing. I, I, so so I, I'm I'm with you as far as like you know a horrible practice is requiring someone to give information just to receive information. Um, I'm still amazed to see how many dealerships are participating in that. But let's look, talk a little bit more about the, like the website contact forms, because this is another monster pet peeve of mine. We ask for name, phone number, email address. Okay, well, I don't know about you, but I don't answer my phone unless I know you. I just, I don't have time for that, all right? I get about a hundred to 150 to 190 emails a day. All right. The probability of your email showing up is probably not very high. All right. Everybody knows that if they need to talk to me, if they know me, if they know me personally, right. They know if they need to talk to me, LinkedIn DM is where I live. <laughs> it's like you will get a hold of me fast. It blows my mind that, you know, the actual website form as far as the information we're asking for hasn't changed since websites have been built, but that's not how people communicate anymore. They communicate on Facebook messenger. They communicate on Instagram Messenger. they communicate on, on, on Snapchat or they communicate on, on whatever platform it is, but we're not asking that. Don't you think it's crazy that we don't, we don't ask that. I think it uh, should uh, actually evolve because, uh, we are still collecting, as you said, all these uh, things that we started in 1990X, right? And the CRMs uh, didn't, uh, maybe they, they did evolve because I think you remember those big old chunks of uh, tables of uh, you know, gray colors uh, when you copy paste <laughs> from, from Microsoft environment, to be honest. Uh, they did evolve somehow. But uh, they're the, the, they just lack the user interface. They, they're not friendly enough sometimes. Uh, and then you put all those informations regarding dogs and uh, wives and girlfriends and, uh, I don't know, scarves or that he was rude and this guy was nasty and etc. For either for you to follow or for someone else in your place. And this is uh, also a thing that, you know, a salesman today is here and tomorrow he might not be working in the same dealership and he needs to leave some data behind. But at the end of the day, if you have a data miner, all your notes, they're useless for him because this is text and uh, you have 
thousands of thousands of records in your DMS and your CRM. And if you leave it to a text field to, to type, it's useless. There's no actually, way of organizing that. This is useless. Which, which so, is actually a great segue kind of into our, our next topic, right? Because, uh, you know, we were going to talk about data marketing and, you know, how that, how that can set up the, specifically how it can set up the BDC for success. Um, I think when we talk about data marketing, for the most part, it's usually we're talking about the sales department or the service department, or uh, mainly probably the service department. But here, I, I think there's some great opportunities to mine our data to set up our BDC for success. And I know you have some ideas on this. Yeah, I'm pretty close to the BDC because uh, when I started in Mercedes-Benz, I couldn't take care of clients going in the showroom. And uh, as you remember, my showroom was temporary. So during the city and uh, during the summer, then for uh, the next eight to eight, 10 months, I didn't have a, a place to be, or I, I had a place to be, but I couldn't uh, speak with the customers. So I decided mm. to go into the BDC itself, right? No one, uh, no one told me not to. There wasn't a line of salespeople wanting to go to the BDC to, to pick <laughs> up any phones or leads. Uh, so I was working uh, two, three days a week at the BDC. They were doing their jobs, but whenever the sale call dropped in, I was there. Yeah, you want to you want to speak uh, to a sales guy? Okay, let me connect him through, and I was instantly there. I started to sell like crazy, and the line that was wasn't previously there. We're at the door. Hey, listen, we're the old, <laughs> old guys, old guard. We need to sell at the BDC as well. Why the newcomers are getting those leads? Because you didn't want to nurture them. That was the answer. And uh, I think if you run your BBC according to the data you possess, you're a winner. Because you will call, you will text, you will mail, you will, you will uh, DM on LinkedIn as you, you are active there. So my BDC would find you on LinkedIn because we use, uh, we use uh, tools mm -hmm. that use this thing called hashtags. And whenever you hashtag dog or hashtag scarf or hashtag uh, Corolla lover, I just, you know. So you have a social, a social monitor, monitoring system as well. And I have my, uh, my list of customers that are having dogs. And special, it works uh, magic in Volvo, cool. for example, where you can order your car with some dog equipment pre-installed right so, so uh, i don't know if you have it in states but mm -hmm. uh, we have it here and there's like the uh, animal safety travel package in volvo and it looks really good and it's uh, you know if everything that is pre-installed in the in the fabric is always better than uh, than you than when you do it uh, on your own but who who are you gonna call <laughs> you're like gonna that. ask you, the reception is gonna ask hey do you have a dog well, you know what it is? I think what it is, is is for a lot of dealerships out there, when they think of data marketing, um, it, it's with the intent to sell them something. And I, th I think what, what you're kind of saying is, you know, best practices, you know, for, for data marketing is, is to try to connect with the customer. Yeah. All right. Connect. Is it, so so I, I find right now a lot of dealerships are stuck in this place, you know, especially with the retention efforts on their sales or their service side is just like, sell, sell, promotion, promotion. They, 
we, we get so, as an industry, we get so caught up on focusing on dollar figures, 50% off oil changes, $1,500 loyalty discount off your next car, even though you just bought a car a year and a half ago. Um, it's, it, it's, it, it's so number driven that we think that's how we have to use the data. But really, I mean, kind of what you're saying is, is, is the best way to do is, is not to do it that way, but to use it to connect to the individual. Wouldn't you say? Uh, yeah, I would, uh, I would sign this contract. If you would put it in front of my face, I agree <laughs> totally. Because, uh, you know, at the end of the day, people, I think uh, uh, I'm looking for personal contact rather than a mass one. If I wanted a mass one, I would uh, go to a concert and I'd rather listen to, um, to good music in a concert hall, but not doing it with, with ten thousands of other people. That's true. And, and if you... If you leverage your people, if you leverage your culture, if you leverage your data right, the customer will benefit from it. The redemption will follow. The CS will follow. Everything will follow. Your sales will grow because no one wants to do business with people that are active only on invoicing tail. Yes. Well, you know what? If, if, If I'm being treated as a group of people and not as an individual, all right. My, my mindset, you know, or my, I guess my perception of the business changes. It's like, do you really give a crap about me? You're, I'm, I'm just, I'm just another, I'm just another number in the group there. But I think this is a good segue into our next topic because I, as a dealership to, to it's a mindset. You have to maintain a mindset that I use my data to connect with people, not, not just to sell them. Like it's the connection first. The sell comes after the connection. Uh, but that's but that's a mindset that you know you're definitely as a dealership. You're not going to be using your data in a marketing perspective that way to connect if you're not doing it in your your, your sales team. And that's kind of where we're kind of going to. Like if the dealership has to be kind of a, a data driven dealership all the way around. Like your marketing's got to be data driven. Your sales uh, team needs to be data driven. You're managing. Efforts need to be data driven. And if they're not, then you just don't, it's this all holistic, just encompassing data uh, mindset. And there's no way you're going to get to a marketing perspective. If you can't do it. So this is kind of our next topic, which I love this because it's managing your sales team with, with, with data, which I could probably do a whole podcast on just on its own, but I know you got some thoughts on it. So when I say managing your sales team with data, what do you think? I think when, uh, whenever it's uh, available for you, and by available, I mean it's legal, it's uh, always better to segment and use silos in terms of uh, building relationships with mm-hmm. your customers. Because uh, frankly speaking, if I'm uh, into sports and I'm so uh, active and you know, I'm red all over the face and I, wanna, I want to buy a sports car, and you pair me up with a gentle, soft gentleman uh, with class and you know a static approach. Uh, I won't find the the common ground to 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 the deal. Sure. Of course, if he is a perfectly educated salesman, he will deliver. Uh, but I think that not uh, every single um, sales rep on the floor is uh, is suited to that role to to be this uh, flag on 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 wind, and uh, I think it's really beneficial for the customer if you just know who is working better with uh, whom and um, 
I'm I'm totally opposing the you know segmentation and okay so you need to go to Frank and Frank will deliver and Jason won't. But I think we need a gentle twist on who's speaking to to whom and uh, data comes in handy. I actually you know what I love the direction that you're heading with this. Uh, because I think when most people think of managing their sales team with data, this is not the direction they go through. Uh, I think they normally think of like batting averages, like, you know, how, you know, uh, uh, what's their average every single time they take a phone call or what's their average every single time they answer uh, or they talk to a customer or they respond to an email address. But I love the direction you're going here because I think it's a great, great topic. Um, it, it's, it's like playing matchmaker. And, you know, and I love this because I think there's going to be a lot of people that have very, very different opinions, both on both sides of the coin, right? Some people are going to say, well, you're, well, you're customer profiling. And I'm like, mm, I'm not going to call it profiling. I'm going to call it matchmaking. All right. If I have a salesperson, all right, that in, enjoys backpacking and hiking and biking and just being outdoors generally. And let's say that salesperson is between the ages of 25 and 35. And, and I have somebody that comes through my dealership that looks similar or feels similar, has hobbies that are similar. You know, look, it makes sense that if the data is telling me this person has a higher probability connecting with this person, why would I not put them in front of it? Don't you agree? Yeah, I would expect you to point me to the guy that just climbed the mountain or two. If I drive a Defender, uh, I want to speak with a guy that loves to be, you know, off-road. Exactly. It's yeah, beneficial no, no, it, for, every, for both side, it, sides. And, it, uh, it is because when we're saying, when, when you have a mindset that your intention is to connect with the customer before you generate a transaction, then you should be using your entire arsenal of ways to connect with them. You know, it's like, I, look, I know, like I did this in my own dealership, right? Uh, up here, we have a hockey team, the Maple Leafs, okay? And and if you are a Maple Leafs fan, you are an incredibly devout fan um, since they haven't won anything in I don't, I, I, 60 years or something. I, I don't even, I, I see, I don't know enough about the Maple Leafs. But if I saw a customer walk in with a Maple Leafs jersey or shirt on, I know that I would go grab Henry because Henry has been a Maple Leafs fan since 1967. And, and he knows every stat of every person. And I know that no matter your age, you are going to connect to Henry like that over your passion, your, both your love and passion for this sports team. People would tell me, say, Jason, that's not okay because you're profiling the customer. What do you think? I think I'm profi profiling my employee, not uh, the customer, to be honest. But uh, Oh, there you a, go. I like that. Okay. It's a thin line, as you mentioned. Uh, but I think we're way, uh, way before that. Mm -hmm. I think if we uh, focus on connection before sales at first, the rest will follow because people will expect us to be mm, people rather than robots as mm -hmm. for now. Uh, and we need to mm, take advantage of it because I believe, and I think that um, I believe is uh, going to materialize sooner rather than later, uh, we're going to switch into an agency mode of selling cars. 
So the dealership, the, the salesman himself will be more of a delivery guy. And then the relation, I mean, man, it's going to be crucial. Who's yes. going to deliver my car? Who's going to help me with the decision rather than selling me uh, my decision because I'm going to do it uh, fully online. And I'm just going to pick up the car and choose the service bay I want to service my car at. And then, as we all know, service is way more relationship than everything else. For sure. You know what, though? That, that's like, I hear you say that. And, it's, you know, the funny thing is I don't necessarily disagree. Um, but I got a, a lot of mixed feelings, right? On, on one hand, as a consumer, all right? I can see benefit in that. I have dealt with some salespeople that I just rather not deal with ever in my entire life <laughs> again, right? And, you know, but I've also, on the flip side, I've made some great connections uh, with some amazing people. And I would, and, you know, it's like, it, it, it's a tough one because I, I, I almost find myself going down this direction. I'm actually in market right now. I'm shopping for another vehicle, and uh, which is always kind of fun, <laughs> especially when you're in the industry, right? And you know, there are there are def there there are relationships that I have in the industry that I can call on and trust. And I'm just like, hey, I'm looking for this. I'm looking for kind of a, a luxury sedan, you know, three or four years old under 100,000 kilometers. Um, if you got one, call me, let me know. And, and that's about the extent, right? And I, I trust that they know me and they know what I want. They know that the car is going to have to be wrapped in orange. Um, they know that I'm going to put 100,000 kilometers a year on the car. Um, like they, just, they know all this stuff, right? Um, but but, I've only, but I'm only, I can only get to a place like that because I've built up that connection. Um, now, I've, unfortunately, though, I've uh, those connections haven't been working out for me. So I've been defaulting back to doing what you're saying is where I'm getting to the point now where I've identified maybe three cars where I'm just like, I want it. Here's my credit card. Can you have it to me on Thursday? You know, no connection whatsoever. I'm just looking for the transaction. And I, and I'm, and I feel a little bad for that because I'm something that I'm someone who wants a connection, but I'm struggling to get, get a good connection from a dealership. So I, then I'm defaulting back to just putting myself through a transaction rather than a connection. Anyways, um, it would, <laughs> when you hear that, what do you think? Then the connection will happen at the service bay. Okay. Because uh, right. if you drive 100K a year, you need to be at least a couple of times. Yeah, I usually, usually get an oil change once a month. Um, yeah. Then tires uh, kicks in, I think, more than once a year and brakes pads as well. So there is a connection to be made, to be made and to the relation to to be maintained through your uh, car usage, right? And uh, it all comes down to the sales uh, people because I do believe service advisors are uh, nothing else than sales uh, people, sales reps. They're so, they are selling. If they're not, I don't think they're in a good place. And uh, in most dealerships, we think that the sales floor is to sell cars and the service floor is to not sell anything else. No, they're selling cars as well. They're selling products, services, and cars, next cars, because if they fail during those two, three, four, how many years you're driving, it's, uh, mm -hmm. uh, I think it's two to four years right now. 
if they if they fail, if they fail to call you on the recall, if they are your BDC, of course, but if they fail on their process of building the relationship, will you buy the second or third vehicle in the spot? You want, and then agency way of doing uh, business, definitely you will not because they didn't care. And this is the word that I was uh, maybe not taught, but uh, it's talked during all those years. I want to care. It's not a business development center. It's a business development care center. It's not cold calling. It's care calling. Switch this little thing. Twi- just, you know, this little tweak. No, no, I like this. I like this. I'm Look, I'm... I'm bouncing this around in my head a little bit, right? It's like, does my sales team become a transaction team, but we're the best at transacting? It means we we remove all of the friction. We make it as easy as humanly possible. And then really the relationship, of, and, and I'm thinking about this as you're speaking, and sorry, you have something to add to that. Go ahead, go ahead. What you got? <laughs> one thing because I will lose it. And then you just need to really show that you care and put yourself in your customer's shoes, right? If I were you, I would do this and that. Rather than this, let's try that. Or my favorite thing, my mother has it. <laughs> what is it? Oh, that's <laughs> it. That's it. That, uh, you know, uh, if, if your mom has it, it's, it's good. <laughs> that's, that's very true. That's very true. You know, it, it sounds like we're talking about going away from a selling process and really defining a buying process, not a selling process, because so no one wants to be sold anything right now. Um, and then continue, and, and then really looking at the after sell of, uh, of the vehicle is where that relationship and connection needs to be strengthened to continue it. Um, it's interesting because I, I, I can see where I know a lot of people that would fall into this. Right. And, and if we think about this, this is kind of, in a sense, what the Carvanas and so on of the world are doing, uh, regardless if you like them or not, uh, they've created a buying process, not a selling process. All right. Um, but they don't have that 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 service connection part. At, you know, they don't have that figured out yet. And if they do, I think they'll be very scary. Um, oh, man. Go ahead. What are you thinking? If, if they buy uh, one or two service base around the area. Yeah, right. Man, we're doomed. No, no, look, look, I, I, I'm i with you. You know what? I, I know it's getting towards the tail end of our time. We could probably dive into this conversation a lot more. Um, this has been fun because you've, you've really pushed me to even kind of think about this. I've always been – connection is important, but simplicity of transaction and a buying process over a selling process – you got me thinking, and that's fun. And I hope everyone out there that's watching and listening, you guys are also thinking too. Uh, but Archer, before I let you go, though, for everybody out there that is watching and listening and would love to connect with you and maybe even continue this conversation with you, what what is the best way to do so? I think you find me on LinkedIn as well. I'm always there. Uh, although I don't have my notifications on, I literally live and breathe on LinkedIn. <laughs> so if you type my name and my surname with uh, all your and Polish letters, you certainly will find me, and I'm always here to to talk uh, to help you become a more agile and focused place that people would love to uh, buy and service cars at. But uh, 
I, I'm not sticking to automotive uh, at all. I think every single business needs care management and uh, you know technology make uh, make us um, made us all available to everyone mm -hmm. and this is uh, our um, our duty to to use this technology uh, as wise as possible to become more transparent in, in our behaviors and uh, if we connect all those uh, data points of uh, entry that we uh, give to the, co the customers online or via the telephone or whatever the place is if you do it seamlessly if you create a if you create a as, as you said a, a buying experience rather than a con, like you force people to to buy in a certain way yes but, right you go into the dealership and then you have to fill these forms and then you need to know if you're uh if you're leasing or your credit score is high enough you, just you know, switch the switch the roundtable uh, 180 degree and try to buy a car. I always yep. say to my BDC agents, "Hey, call some BDCs around. Call some dealership. Try to be a customer." I try. It's hard. Believe me. If I wouldn't be stubborn enough, I wouldn't have my vehicle right now. Someone else would be driving my car, and I love this car. And I was so focused on buying it that I literally took the sales process to the sales guy and told him, hey, this is your, your sales process. And I know it because I was selling cars just a couple of years ago. And uh, I literally sold myself this car uh, and I paid for it and delivered myself. So sometimes forms are not, uh, not everything. Sometimes you just need to take your phone and to write them a DM, to write on Instagram. 100%. Wherever, whenever you feel that is a place for you, Try it. Try this dealer, if and I'm pretty sure some will uh, some will respond the way you uh, you want them to. And if they're not, just let me know, and I will talk to them to make them more. <laughs> well said, Arthur. Well said. Hey, man, thank you so much for taking the time to jam with me today. This has been a ton of fun. Um, you you have yourself an amazing day. You too, Jason. Thank you very much. It was a great pleasure meeting you and uh, recording this uh, podcast of yours. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to the Strategy with Jason podcast with your host, Jason Harris. Don't want to miss new content? Be sure to check out the full podcast library at strategywithjason.com to stay in the know. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe. Happy podcasting.